In this edition of Cougar Insiders Podcast, we're going to be breaking down BYU basketball, the what-ifs and what's happened and why. We'll talk about Yoli Childs and maybe his future on BYU's uh, program. We'll talk about spring football and uh, break down the importance of things and storylines coming up. That and much more in this edition of Cougar Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Cougar Insider Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, columnist for the Deseret News, along with beat writers Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. We're coming to you from Provo, Utah, the intersection of all things BYU. And Jeff Call, I've got to, I've got to tell you that I, I thought that the BYU basketball team had made an impressive run. It was a four or five game win, a couple on the road, comeback wins. I thought in the first half of that game against San Francisco here in the Marriott Center, uh, that they were really on their way. They were in control of everything. And I thought, you know, these guys are going to end up as number two seed. They made a great part of this, uh, the second half of the basketball season. And then within a couple of minutes, the whole thing just melted down with turnovers and bad play and horrible decisions, and they just lose the game. I was stunned. Yeah, you know, in all the years I've been covering BYU basketball, I don't know if I can remember such a contrast in back-to-back weeks where BYU was flying so high and then this the next week is completely crumbled. Those wins against San Diego and LMU were really impressive because they came from behind, double-digit leads both times, came back from those deficits to win, making big shots, making big plays, doing the things that we haven't seen this team do a lot. And it finally looked like they'd figured things out, that they you know, they found the chemistry. Whatever they were lacking before found seemed like they had found it. Everything was going well until about eight minutes left in that game against San Francisco. BYU's up by 14. I remember Nick Emery made this great skip pass along the baseline to TJ Haas for a three to put him up by 14. And you're sitting there thinking, wow, this team is really, they're clicking, they're figuring things out. And like you said, this is a number two seed. And then inexplicably, I mean, like in a blink of an eye, like four turnovers in a row, missed shots. They just look lost. And San Francisco, to their credit, I mean, they they hit big shots. Uh, They played extremely well and earned that win. They deserved that win. And then uh, two days later, they go up to Gonzaga. And I know nobody expected BYU to to win that game. And I think for the first 30 minutes, they fought pretty hard um, under the circumstances. But once again, things just kind of collapsed those last 10 minutes. And uh, it was the worst loss in Dave Rose's career at BYU as head coach. So as of right now, I mean, this is a situation where BYU, instead of looking at a two seed, realistically, we don't know what's going to happen Thursday with the other teams. BYU's got that by Thursday with San Diego coming up on Saturday at home. But we don't know, or like it's looking like, I guess, that BYU could be the, as low as a four seed, which would mean if they win their semifinal or quarterfinal game Saturday, they'd be facing Gonzaga again in that Monday semifinal. And so it really just changed the whole complexion of the offseason for BYU just that quickly. Brandon Gurney, the, uh, I think BYU fans... And it's not an unrealistic expectation that they should finish second in this league. And Gonzaga is the number one team in the the country, according to AP, this week. And they are that good. They are very good. So it's unrealistic to think that they're going to challenge them year in and year out, although they've beaten them up in Gonzaga and shocked everybody, even when they're a top, what, one or two team in the country. So it can be done. But is it a realistic expectation that BYU fans have that this team should be number two and they're, and they're not? How, how frustrating is it? What's the temperature right now among the masses? Well, 
Well, I think it's confusion more than anything. You look for a narrative of this team, and we try to talk about every time we're on this podcast where this team's at, what we can expect, what kind of team they are. I'm at the end of the year. I really have no idea what this team is, what they're capable of, um, what they're going to bring in uh, week in and week out. And that's that's really the frustration with BYU basketball is what is it? What was the consistency? What, what is this team? What can we expect? It's I have no idea. That tournament, they could lose the first game. I wouldn't be surprised. They wouldn't, They lose it? Absolutely not surprised. I, I think the one uh, uh, constant is a very frustrating constant is no one's going to beat Gonzaga. No one. I, I This true. Gonzaga team, it's the best Gonzaga team I've ever seen. That, that They toy with, with people. So that's the underlining frustration with BYU basketball. I mean, do you guys know? You guys are smarter than I am. <laughs> Jeff Call, how do they fix this? I think part of the problem, um, at least BYU fans believe, is that they keep losing players. Either they go on to want to play some minor role in a minor international team as a professional and not make that much money, or they transfer out for one reason. You know, Dayton, uh, Peyton uh, Dastrup is an example, and, you know, Toulson is another. And, you know, they, they keep kind of churning and turning over the roster, but it all doesn't it all come down to recruiting? And, and, and well, before I ask you for your fix, Jeff Call, I do think that there's a lot of things that have happened on this team that a lot of people are not aware of Mm -hmm. that have been both emotional, tragic, tactical, distracting, and has really caused the coaching staff a lot of challenges in trying to put things together and put starting lineups together and roles in chemistry. So having said that, how do they fix it? Well, you bring that up for this year, and I think you could say that for the past three or four seasons. There's been a lot of things, a lot of drama in the locker room. There's a lot of things behind the scenes going on, Um, you know, personal things with guys' lives. I mean, Nick Emery's an example that's pretty public. We all kind of know the stuff that Nick had to go through. But there's been a lot of other things just kind of behind the scenes going on that, uh, you know, how do you fix that? I don't know. The guys they bring in, I mean, a lot of the guys they have are, I mean, Elijah Bryant and Eric Mika, Yoli Childs, very highly. TJ Haas, I mean, Nick Emery, you go down the list and you think, man, these are guys that have a lot of stars attached to their names. They had a lot of potential. And why they can't just find the right chemistry and put it together, just keep these guys together. And, you know, one of the questions, obviously, that will be asked as soon as this season ends is, what happens with Yoli Childs? Is he going to follow that same kind of a pattern that uh, Mika and Bryant did and just uh, opt to turn pro. I mean, obviously he wants to go to the NBA. He's going to try to go to the NBA. That's his goal. Whether he gets there or not, it's, it's going to be tough. But uh, maybe it's time for him just to say, you know, maybe he wants to just play professionally and, and move on. And there you lose another very good player that uh, you know could help this team for, for another year at least. And so I don't know how you fix it. Brandon Gurney, if you're your only child's and you kind of struggle in playing defense, you kind of don't want to foul out so you don't play real hard on defense, that's kind of the thing that's known about him right now. And I don't want to knock on him because he's the best thing going that BYU has in points and rebounds and stuff like that. But he has parts of his game that really need to be polished and needs to be grown. If you're Yoli, do you leave after this season or do you come back and try to fix those things? I, I was dead set in thinking that there's no way he's coming back. And I think most of us entered that season with with that notion. But uh, you look at the things other than basketball, I think is what plays really big with those decisions and his girls playing volleyball at UVU. I think that's potentially a big thing. And I've always has had the impression that Yoli likes it at BYU. He likes being here. He likes being part of that team and he has a really good team attitude and all that. And, and of course that, that that doesn't change if he chooses to leave. I'm not saying that, but but I think the fact that he genuinely seems to like being here and, and, and liking the BYU surroundings and, and, and the girl's a big thing, man. <laughs> that 
that that can be a big thing. I, I'm starting to, to to think that, that it's a possibility. I, I still tend to think that he's probably gone, and I think it's probably a good decision. I, we'll see how that plays out. But but yeah, but yeah, I I think there's more of a chance now than I thought probably six months ago. Gentlemen, for the second straight year, BYU will enter spring football with their starting quarterback uh, injured and on the sidelines or at least in the huddle, but not throwing. Uh, Zach Wilson, the star of the Idaho uh, Great Idaho Potato Bowl, 18 for 18, fabulous performance, great entry into the college scene as a freshman, um, and he won't be there. But there are a lot of storylines to this spring uh, this spring football game. The one that I would point out is that this coaching staff, at least on offense and a tweak on defense, are back now for a second round of being together in their roles. They've lost one coach in Ryan Pugh. They've got another coach who seems to be kind of a clone of what Ryan was as far as attitude and technique. But this is a second go-around for Jeff Grimes as the offensive coordinator. What other storylines would you guys see, um, beginning with you, Jeff Call, uh, coming out of spring football? Well, to me, obviously, when it comes to BYU, it's always I mean, the first place you look is quarterback. And this is an interesting situation BYU has because I think two years ago, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that uh, Tanner Mangum was going to be the starter. And he wasn't really pushed. And he just kind of showed up and... Um, you know, he struggled. It wasn't all his fault. I'm not pinning all the blame on him, but that, that offense really struggled. But I think a key element was he never felt pushed. I think he was just kind of somewhat complacent and that he was the starter. There was no real battle. And then you go with the next year, last spring, I think as thinking back a year ago, we had eight guys. Remember that? Eight guys that listed on the roster at quarterback. And over time that kind of got pared down, whittled down as we knew it would. So now you have a year where, you know, Zach Wilson, like you mentioned, came in and, and played extremely well as a true freshman uh, last fall. And Yet he's hurt. He can't throw. He's going to obviously be involved, but he can't throw. And that, uh, as unfortunate as for for Zach, I think that's could be a blessing in disguise for these other guys and for the position in general, for the offense in general, to force some of these other guys to really step up their game. You got Jaron Hall, you got Joe Critchley, you got Baylor Romney, guys that uh, will get significant snaps that they probably wouldn't have gotten had Zach been healthy for the spring. So I'm really intrigued by how to see how this all plays out um we all know jaron hall's playing baseball as well his number one focus is football but it's going to be interesting to see how we, we really haven't seen jaron hall do much um we've, we've had reports of how well he's right, done though right, yeah 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 we have seen you know we've heard things coaches have talked about how impressed they are and then joe critchlow has been kind of a forgotten man for the last year because we didn't get any snaps any games last year i mean the last time we really saw him was fall camp just briefly you know, he got a few reps here and there, and that was it. So I'm really intrigued to see how this backup quarterback situation shakes out and, and just kind of what happens with that. Brandon, what, what's your biggest storyline? What are you looking for in spring football? You're going to be covering it. Uh, we all are at some point. But what is going to stand out for you? What do you want to watch? What do you want to see? What do you expect to see? Well, well some of the mid-year enrollees, uh, some of the return missionaries, I, I always like the new guys. And, and, and because we won't be able to watch it, we'll have to depend on what the coaches tell us about those guys and usually take takes a bit of time before they're willing to, to do that and for good reason. I'm interested in, to see what they can actually do <laughs> without a quarterback, without many quarterbacks at all. And and from what I understand, there's still a lot of players that are still recovering from, from offseason surgeries mm-hmm. that aren't going to be ready to go. Who's going to be playing running back? Um, I, From what I understand, uh, uh, Lapini Katoa might not be a go. Who else you got? Ali Vahifo's out. Uh, Matt Bushman is out. Um, yeah. Zach Wilson's out. There's not a lot of guys, and it seems like every year, it seems like BYU, more than does a spring practice, they kind of manufacture a spring practice, it, it seems, a lot of years. And I, I think that might largely be the case. But, but of course, inj- injury concerns is the biggest concern, uh, no doubt. And I'm sure they're going to manage it the best best they can. So, so yeah, 
we'll we'll see what comes about. I think uh, you know I, I really do think that this is going to be a spring where um, uh, Jaron Hall steps up and he he really turns a lot of heads and he solidifies himself in the lineup as either the backup or a strong pusher of Joe Critchlow. And and I think that he's going to have a very good spring football run at it, and and that's what people will be talking about. Along with uh, uh, Gunnar Romney, I think he probably will be healed up because he was not playing healthy all season long. He had a soft tissue injury, and I think that the other quarter, the other receivers that were going to be in there, they're going to be a little bit of a, a chemistry building opportunity. But I I think that you're going to be very impressed with Hall. Let's skip now to cyberspace. Brandon Gurney, what's happening out in there in the internet? I, I, I have to laugh because on my way here, I, I went to go get some gas, right? And and, and, and when you get gas, I, I don't know if you guys have ever been to the station where they just kind of have that random news feed so, that's national. So anyway, on that news feed, uh, up pops uh, uh, Nick Emery uh, getting crossed over, falling halfway across the court. I'm like, wow. <laughs> it really a big is story, big and all it? that. But I loved how Nick Emery handled that. I, I, I absolutely loved that. I think we've all been there. When we were slept in the face with social media and, and how to deal with it and all that, I think a lot of people made a lot of mistakes. You guys probably haven't, because once again, you are very a lot smarter <laughs> than I am. But 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 I know j- just taking criticism and just being in public, it's always hard to know exactly what to say, what to say, or if you should say anything at all. And I have to give props to Nick Emery. I thought his response was absolutely perfect. You win some, you lose some. Hey, whatever. You know, it's like, I, I, agree. I, I, I don't know if he could have handled that any better. And and, and I think that's a, that's a notable thing Nick's been through a lot obviously been in the public specter quite a bit and i think he's coming out on the right side um uh, with a lot of these things and i think he's he's growing from a lot of it and he's he's not letting the little stuff bother him as much i i think is that what that shows me so so props to him and uh we can all learn a lesson from that i i i've learned a long time ago the idiots that come after you just aren't worth responding to in any way shape or form you just ignore them just move on and and the most important thing is never take yourself too seriously it's that's great advice so. I, and i find i have found that to be true also uh the rest of the story i had an opportunity uh, a couple of weeks ago to sit down at lunch with uh, patello uh hifo uh eliva hifo's um a father, and he he happened to take in Sione Ted Taki Taki when his father passed away when he was in the eighth grade. And we talked about Sione and about the things that make him tick and and the unusual personality that he was. And we run a story this week in the Desert News about him being invited to the combine and what an unique uh, story it is for him to come as far as he was because he was kicked out of BYU, he was suspended at BYU. He could have transferred and maybe made it big somewhere else, but he decided to stick it out because he knew this was the place that he needed to be to become the man that. That he did. He ended up meeting his wife, BYU swimmer, got married, but he settled down. But still, he has that ignition button inside of him that is both scary and very useful in football. And he's coming off one of the best tackling performances in college football during the bowl season, 19 tackles, which was career high. But he's going to get a chance now to go to the combine. And uh, and to prove his worth, and he's working out in California right now. But I think that the Sione Tataki Taki story is interesting because he probably will be maybe along with Corbin Kafusi, the only two people drafted by BYU, or at least looked at pretty hard by the draft. But if BYU is going to have somebody drafted, it will be Sione Taki Taki um, more than anybody that I can think of on this roster. So good luck to him. I think that's going to be fun. Well. Let's go to final words here. Let's hit you first, Jeff Call. What do you have for us? Well, we're uh, just a couple days from March now. Um, March is rapidly approaching. That means a lot of spring football, a lot of basketball. It's an exciting time of year, a busy time of year. Uh, we'll be down in Vegas next week covering uh, games and things like that, BYU men and women. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's fun. Always always fun to get into this stuff. And spring ball, so much of it's speculative. We don't really know. A lot of guys we're not going to see. But there's always interesting storylines that emerge. And then – 
you know, again, basketball, going back to what we talked to before, it's looking like this is probably another NIT team for BYU. This would be, what, four in a row for this for this program? And I know nobody that uh, cheers for BYU is happy about that, but that's kind of where we're at right now. But uh, we'll see how, how long they can keep this ride in March going. Your final word, Brandon Gurney. Yeah, the women's basketball team, they've been a really good story all all year long. They, they beat Gonzaga twice, at, at home and away. Uh, Gonzaga is very, very good. They've been a top 20 team all season long. Uh, no one expected much from the, this girls' basketball team. They, they, they've been underrated, and they've really risen to the occasion with some really exciting young players. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to cover them in, in the West Coast Conference Tournament. Odds are they're going to get that number two seed, which is a big, big advantage in, in that tournament, as we all know. And they're probably going to have to beat Gonzaga for a third time and who knows maybe they can pull it off but i think it's a team that has a good chance of the ncaa tournament even if they can't be gonzaga and and they've been a, a fun cover and get involved with the if you're frustrated with the men give the girls a try that they've been playing exceptional and they deserve a lot of support you know uh, my final word would be peter guest byu golfer went to hawaii ended up winning for the Fourth time in this uh, collegiate season. Uh, one medalist honors there. Um, tremendous player. Can hit the ball for 400 yards, 370 if he really wanted to in this atmosphere. Down uh, sea level, he can drive the ball 330, 340. Tremendous player, tremendous putter. Um, Johnny Miller helped recruit him. If you get a chance to watch them play this spring at the Cougar Classic, I'd invite you to go out and watch. See an outstanding uh, uh, golfer. So congratulations to him. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Cougar Insiders Podcast. We'd love to hear from you through email at cougarinsiders at deseretnews.com. Please subscribe or download this podcast wherever you find it. We're looking to deliver you the most up-to-date information on BYU sports, and we'd love to have you join us.